Last week we talked about uh, the word forming the seed that was placed in the womb of Mary and the word became flesh and dwelled among us. Amen. That was an interesting study. I love it every single year. It still fascinates me. I want to talk about the birth of Jesus today. I was talking to one of the guys, I don't remember if it was Dylan or John, and it's amazing to me that people accept Jesus as Lord and they call him Lord, which means we're going to live the way he says to live. We're going to abide by his word. Most people know very little about him. I mean, seriously, they know very little about the man that they call Lord. And so this study, you may say, what does this have to do with us? It has everything to do with us. And what we're going to see, as we saw last week, is that the prophecies, and then we get to see them fulfilled in the life of Jesus, it brings a faith in me that the word of God is true and that he oversees his word to bring it to pass. And so we're going to go to Matthew 2. We're going to actually read the whole chapter, but... We're going to go back and forth a lot, so if you're using a regular Bible and not a device, you might want to uh, put your ribbon there, because we'll be going back and forth to some prophetic words in the study. Like as soon as we read the first phrase, (laughs) we're going to go, I mean, you just can't go far without there being a prophecy to match it, so Matthew chapter 2, I'm reading out of the NIV says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, already we have a prophecy fulfilled. And that is that he would be born in Bethlehem. Interestingly enough, Bethlehem means, who knows, house of bread. House of bread. And you know from John 6 that Jesus said, I am the bread of life. You know, it's just so symbolic that Jesus is born in Bethlehem, the house of bread. He is the bread of life. And he is born in a stable, in a manger, and he's the Lamb of God. I mean, everything in Scripture, the whole passages of Jesus just fit beautifully and symbolically and perfectly. Adam Clark said this, and I thought he said it well. He said, seeing it please God to announce beforehand the place where the Savior of the world would be born, it became necessary that it should happen precisely precisely in that place and that this should be one of the characteristics whereby Jesus Christ should be known to be the true Messiah. All these prophecies and him fulfilling them proves that he is the true Messiah. Remember, Jesus said many will come. I say they are the Christ. But how do you know who actually is? Because everything matches perfectly. Absolutely perfectly. It's part of the proofs of who he is. So, once again, like we said last week, the details of the story, don't skip them because they prove the validity of the scriptures. Micah 5.2, I think we mentioned it last week is the prophetic word of Bethlehem being where he would be born. Micah 5, 2 says, But thou Bethlehem, Rephetah, and the reason he 
puts that in there is there's two Bethlehems and he wants to make sure you've got the right one. Though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old from everlasting. And so that's what the prophet Micah said before Jesus was ever conceived in the womb of Mary. It was set that he would be born in Bethlehem, which by the way is is one of the cities of David, and we knew that he would be of the lineage of David. So everything goes together. Now Matthew 2, second phrase in verse 1 says, During the time of King Herod and the Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. Now these wise men, as we've called them most of my life, the wise men, they were astrologers, they were scientists, they studied astrology, and I'm not talking about in a wicked way necessarily, but they did study the stars, and and it was true. A lot of times, a a different happening in the heavens and a, a significant star would would correlate with uh, something happening in the earth, which I find interesting that we have quite a happening happening here, April eighth, uh, the eclipse. So. I know we laugh a lot about the eclipse and we're all trying to figure out how we're going to do traffic and schools and buses. And I don't know if you don't know about the eclipse, you need to look it up because you need to be prepared uh, for thousands of people to be in town. And if you've got rentals, hallelujah, praise the Lord, um, you know, it can be a good, it can be a good day for you. But these scientists, these astrologers, were coming into Jerusalem from the east, and they ask, verse 2, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star. We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. And this is kind of an interesting study. And this, y'all, I've been on lots of rabbit trails today, and I'm going to try to I'm going to try to bring it on home <laughs> in, in 45 minutes or 40 minutes uh, tonight. This is kind of interesting. How did they know king of the Jews? How did they, I mean, they, they're not from there. How did they hear about this coming king? And a, a lot of people believe that Daniel and the prophecies of Daniel had made it to them. Uh, and and I, I found that most of the way through with most of the commentaries was pretty usual that they had heard of this already through the prophecies and also Balaam's prophecy which we'll talk about in just a minute where is the one who has been born king of the Jews we saw his star in the east and we have come to worship him numbers 24 is Balaam's prophecy you remember the story of Balaam I know most of us remember it because of the donkey right Balaam's prophecy he said this, he said, I see him, but not now. I behold him. Did I tell you Numbers twenty four seventeen? Okay. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. He will crush the foreheads of Moab, the skulls of all the sons of Sheth. So that's always given usually in the reference of your Bible. You use those references so you can see what ties into it. Also, Isaiah 60, which we talked about last week. 
uh, verse 1, Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising. Verse 6 says, The multitude of camels will cover thee. And I think we talked about that last week. The caravan that it probably wasn't three wise men. You know, we see that, and we know they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and so we think three wise men, all of our nativities have three wise men. We covered that last week, these little trinket boxes. Here they've traveled for, from other countries with this one little box to bring a new king. It just doesn't make sense. I realize that Hobby Lobby probably can't carry a nativity set with a caravan of camels. But Isaiah 60, verse 6 describes it, says that they will bring gold and incense and they will show forth praises of the Lord. So we use three. That's fine. Just make sure your kids understand there was caravan going on here. These were people that believed a new king had been born and they were bringing him gifts. And it wasn't a Hobby Lobby trinket box. Verse 3 says, when, uh, back to Matthew 2, When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. A new king has been born, causes a king some issues. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. They knew. They knew where the Christ was to be born because they knew the prophecies. And so he calls in the people who would know the prophecies, and that's the chief priest. So he calls them in, the teachers of the law, and he asks them where the Christ was to be born. And they replied, in Bethlehem in Judea. For this is what the prophet has written. And he gives you Micah 5, right there, verse 6. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. So given the prophecy, he now knows where the child will be located. And Israel was actually expecting the arrival of Messiah. They're they're expecting him. They just don't catch it because he didn't come how they thought he would. I mean, who would have thought in a manger? Who, who would have thought that he would be born the way he was born? And so the prophet Daniel had given them a timeline in Daniel 9. It's, it's kind of complicated. You may have to look at some commentaries to cipher through it. But because Jesus didn't come as the Jews thought he would, even with the timeline and the place, they didn't get it. Verse 7, then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time that the star had appeared. When did you first see this star? Why did he want to know that? He wanted to know how old this baby was. He sent them to Bethlehem and he said, go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. And this was an evil man. He was known for his cruelty. He was known for his slaughters. And he is going to kill this baby before this baby can take his place. That's his thinking. 
so he's calculating the age of the new baby king. Verse 9. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And this is kind of interesting. When you start looking this up in commentaries, and I think it was actually Travis Johnson that brought this to my attention one time. Apparently, while they were there, they didn't see the star with Herod. So, you know, it, you can look it up. You can do some study on it. And I think you will agree when you look at it. Not that it's an issue or a non-issue, but it's an interesting thing. Because if Herod could follow the star... He could have found Jesus. And so it says, let's read it again and look at what he said. After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, So we have we have all the pictures of them in the in the manger at the manger. But when they got there, they've traveled. Right? They've traveled. They followed the star. They stopped. They visited with Herod. Time has come, you know, time has passed. And apparently by this time, Mary and Joseph have are in a house. And you look it up and it means residence. So it says, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. This is the Magi. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense, or I think the King James Version says frankincense, and of myrrh. Now there's a lot of studies about these gifts. And you may have read some of them. I find them fascinating. I, every one of them lines up together. So, you know, it's, it's the history of it's quite interesting to me. But gold, gold is a gift correlating with his royalty. This is a king. So they're bringing gold to him. It's also going to be provision for Mary and Joseph being out of place. Uh, and, and God's fixing to send them on a trip. <laughs> He's, they're going on a all expense paid trip to Egypt, courtesy of, uh, the wise men who bring them gold. So they're, what God's gonna require Joseph to do, God is funding. Which is a lesson for us all, isn't it? What God requires us to do, God will fund. So, he brought gold, which correlates with Jesus' royalty. And then the incense or the frankincense correlating with his divinity because incense and frankincense, if you go back through and you study the Old Testament, you'll see it a lot, right, in the temple. Uh, it was a white resin or a gum type substance obtained from a tree by making incisions in the bark that let the gum flow out. Ha. <sighs> I know a man that took stripes on a tree, don't you? So this incense was taken from the tree by making incisions in the bark, which caused the gum to flow out. It was highly fragrant when burned, 
which is why it was used as incense. It was used in worship and as a pleasant offering to God. And you can read more about incense and frankincense. And then there was myrrh. This was a a gift correlating with his humanity. Thank God he was both the son of God and the son of man. And that he understands us. And we love the humanity part of Jesus Christ, don't we? As it says, we have a high priest that gets us, that was tempted in all points like we are, yet without sin. So he walked the earth walk. He did what Adam did not do and kept sin out. And yet, he knows what it's like to be a man. That's our God. Myrrh, a gift correlating with his humanity, with suffering and with death. Uh, It was also obtained from a tree. It was used for embalming, um, preserving the body uh, at death. It was used as a holy ointment. You can find that in Exodus thirty twenty three. It was used as a perfume. Um, you can find that in Esther two twelve. And it was sometimes mingled with wine in a bitter drink. And you can find that in Mark fifteen verse twenty three because it was offered to Jesus on the cross. So that was myrrh. Gold, incense, and myrrh. Uh, Psalm 72.10 prophesies this. Talks about the kings bringing presents. The kings of Sheba and Seba are offering gifts. All the kings shall fall down before him. All the nations shall serve him. Just little things inlaid throughout the scripture that give us a little picture that Jesus fulfills beautifully, perfectly. Uh, in his life, in his birth, and of course in his death and resurrection. All right, Matthew 2, verse 12. And having been warned in a dream, the Magi, not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. And when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, and he said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. God is going to protect his righteous seed. Which is a lesson for me. God is going to protect his righteous seed. So he got up, took the child and his mother. Now he had to be obedient to walk in that protection. He got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt. Where he stayed until the death of Herod. He needed that He needed that gold. That was great. He stayed there until the death of Herod. And so it was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. You can find that in Hosea 11.1. God put a little inlay. Had a prophet speak something. Hundreds and hundreds of years beforehand. Out of Egypt I will call my son. They had to go to Egypt. The prophecies, they have to be fulfilled perfectly. I know I said it last week. I'm going to say it again this week. This Bible that you have is incredible. You just can't make this stuff up. Tanya and I were walking, I think, the next morning after we taught last week. I was like, you know, if one person had written the whole book, one human man had written the whole book, I could see how they could say, okay, I'm going to go back and put this in there. And then at the end, I'm going to bring this out. But we don't even know how many earthly men were used to pen. Because there's just a lot of guesses on some of it, on who wrote what. 
down through the ages of time for thousands of years and put this thing together, protected it through wars. <laughs> so, so you could hold it in your hands today and that it match from Genesis to Revelation perfectly. Impossible. But with God, all things are possible. It's a good day. That's a good book. You need to be reading it. And if you'll study it, you'll find it fascinating. If you just read it, man, sometimes I, sometimes, I mean, I read the Bible through, I think it was last year. And if I wasn't careful, it was just blah, 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 blah. But you know, all of that genealogy, if you don't stop and look up why it matters, it doesn't matter. But when you, when you study the word of God, it comes alive. It, it comes alive to you. And, and I get excited when I look back at this thing. And I just think, oh my goodness, back here in Hosea, you said, out of Egypt, I'll call my son. And then here we go, waking Joseph up. Joseph takes his family to Egypt to keep him there until Herod is dead. Verse 16, when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. He gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under. And that tells us the age that Jesus would have been when they came to him and brought him the gifts. Somewhere uh, around one or two. Okay. Knowing Herod, he probably said, oh, just get anything that's close to two and under. Right? Because you're not going to go in and ask a mother the age. You're going to see a toddler, you're going to kill it. So we know that he knows that Jesus is in that age range because he's already asked them when they first saw the star. He's calculated this. He's got it figured. So he goes in uh, in accordance with the time that he had learned from the Magi. And then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. That was prophesied in another account, in another story, in another part of history. In Jeremiah 31, verse 15. And now the word of God brings out, yes, that happened. But, but this correlated and prophesied what had to happen over here in Matthew. But it originally was spoken in Jeremiah 31, 15 prophesied after Herod died an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said get up take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead look how God leads these people weren't even born again in spirit field you got the Holy Spirit of God living on the inside of you and we're like I just don't know what I'm going to do I just don't know what I'm going to do it's a great lesson for us. When they needed to do something, God told them. And guess what they did? <laughs> they did it. I think that's really where the glitch is. I don't think it's in the hearing God. I think it's in the obedience. Most of the time we know. And you know, it's so true. If God hadn't told you anything different to do, do what he told you to do last. God led him. Where did I get to? Verse 21, is that where I am? Yes. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. 
But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said by the prophets. (laughs) Here we go. He will be called a Nazarene. Your reference will give you Judges 13.5, which is actually an account of Samson. But in the story of Samson is inlaid prophetic words that will be fulfilled by Jesus. Y'all use those reference notes in your Bibles. They're there, they're there to save you a whole lot of study. Okay? And then go back and read. And, and yes, Samson's story was a true account of Samson. But inlaid in it was words that needed to be released into the earth for Jesus to fulfill, to prove to you and me, we have the right Messiah. We have the right Lord. So that's Judges 13.5, speaking of Samson and inlaid the prophetic words of Jesus. That gets us to the childhood of Jesus. He was raised Jewish. Uh, We know that from the other scriptures. We don't know a lot about his everyday life as a child. We just don't. I I picture him as playing with his siblings. He had siblings uh, through Mary and Joseph, not by God uh, being the father, but he had siblings by Mary and Joseph, brothers and sisters. And you can, I think I wrote that down somewhere. Uh, You can find that in Mark 6, verse 3. Some of them are listed there. In Luke, in Luke's account, because you know you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you'll have different accounts of the same stories seen through the eyes of these different men. And so it's kind of fascinating because you kind of get to know the character of the authors of the books because of how they see things. But in Luke's account of Jesus's childhood we find where Mary and Joseph take Jesus and present him uh, as according to the law the law of of Moses so do we have time we have time we got lots of time let's go to Luke 2 I know I'm reading a lot but this is in depth right Uh, I I have a map here of the journeys of Mary and Joseph I put one back on Uh, Project Hope's uh, table. Y'all can take a picture of this, or I've got a couple of black and white copies over there. But it's really quite fascinating, and it's labeled like, you know, from Nazareth to Bethlehem, from Bethlehem to Jerusalem, from Jerusalem. I mean, all this path. And I just want y'all to know, Mary was quite a woman. Joseph was quite a man. Because what they went through in that short amount of time and the amount of travel that they did. Anybody ever traveled with an infant? Okay. God picked the right people. I'm going to give this to y'all girls and everybody else can just get a picture of it if they want to. But it's really quite fascinating uh, to look at the journey that God sent them on and, and to think that they had all of this treasure to do what they needed to do. And also, you know, it had to be a reminder that what they were doing was of God. (laughs) 
was very tangible reminder of what they were doing and who they were raising. And Luke 2, let's go down to verse 21. We're kind of going back. We're kind of going backwards here. Luke's taking us to a part of the story that we didn't get covered in Matthew, okay? On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was going to be circumcised because he's going to be a covenant Jewish man. So by law, uh, by the law of Moses, he had to, he had to be circumcised. He was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. You remember that when he met with Mary. When the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been complete, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. And so they, this is the way Jesus is being raised under the covenant. And to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. This is what Mary and Joseph had gone to do. And there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. They knew this was the time for Messiah to come. They knew it from the prophecies. They had studied them all their lives. And so he's waiting to and to offer. He was there also to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said. Oh, I already read that. Now there was a man called Simeon. He's waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. The Holy Spirit came upon people in the Old Testament, didn't dwell in them like he dwells in you and me, but he came on them to say certain things or to perform certain things. And it came on this man, Simeon. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people, Israel. He knew it. When he saw him, he knew it. And he held the Savior of the world in his arms. And he said, I can now depart in peace. Mm. I'm a little jealous. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Don't you know they needed that confirmation? I mean, yes, they had seen the angel, but here we are. We've been moved around. We've got craziness going on in the world. You know that their minds had to go. But here they get this, isn't God good? Sending them this confirmation. They marveled about what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them. He blessed Mary and Joseph, and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. 
And a sword will pierce your own soul too. All the mamas in the house said, whoa. Whoa. There was also a prophetess named Anna. She's of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. And then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but she worshipped day and night. Fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the feast, and according to the custom... After the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. We lost Jesus! I mean, I just try to think. I mean, one time I forgot to pick Wade up from school early. They were getting out early. And when I got there, you know, the teacher calls, you know, Janine, teacher calls, excuse me, we got out early today, your kid's still here. And I'm like, <gasps> you know, I forgot my kid. They've gone on, they've traveled for a whole nother day and they realize Jesus isn't anywhere to be found. I can't even imagine. I mean, when I drove up and little Wade was sitting there on the curb with his teacher, he got in the car and he said, bad mom. <laughs> I like to hope <laughs> that Jesus had that enough grace not to do that to his mother. But he, he did say a few things. <laughs> That's a good Wade story. Hope you all enjoyed that. <laughs> Thinking he was in their company, verse 44, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. I can just hear Joseph. We got to go back, you know. They went and looked for him after three days. Oh, that's kind of an interesting term, isn't it? After three days? Seems like Jesus disappeared another time for three days. In the heart of the earth, didn't he? After three days, they found him in the temple court, sitting among the teachers. How old was he? Twelve. They found him in the temple court, sitting among the teachers. Listening to him. They were listening to him. They were listening to him. They were, I'm sorry, they, he was listening to them and he was asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, why you do this to me? why did you do this to me son why have you treated us like this your father and I have been anxiously searching for you why were you searching for me he asked I don't know Jesus I mean you know these are parents here 
Jesus, why are you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? I think one version says, didn't you, or one of the accounts says, didn't you know I'd be about my father's business? Did you know I'd be about my father's business? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. That's his childhood. He could could go in and talk to the scribes and the Pharisees, the professional religious people, and astonish them with how he could answer and what he would answer. And, and all through his life, I know, I remember again when he was an adult, that they were amazed at the authority, the authority that he spoke with. And that's because he knew his identity. You're a child of God. He was the firstborn among many brethren. Jesus was born, died, resurrected so that you could be the sons and daughters of God. So that you could set a new identity for yourself in Christ. That wasn't based on your actions or your past. But was based on what Jesus Christ did for you. He traded identities with us he became human we became alive spiritually we were distant from God he was close to God he left God we went to God (laughs) I mean God well I should say God came to us so now we can go to God and we can approach his throne boldly the scripture says I love the years that he walked the earth Showing us how to live as the sons and daughters of God. And we'll, we'll go there. Maybe next week we'll go there. But it's, it's, you know, you can't put what all Jesus did into a sermon. There are some scriptures that sum it up for us. But it says that in, in the approximately 33 years that he lived, that the heavens cannot contain what he did and what he said. But we've got enough right here to keep us busy for the rest of our lives in that book. It's amazing to me who he is. He didn't just go from Bethlehem in a stable to the cross. That time in between, even as a child, he was fulfilling prophecy perfectly, beautifully validating the word as no man could write no way everybody gonna go home and read the gospels you don't have to read them all tonight but at least get started it'll help you go to sleep bring you peace amen all right y'all can stand father we thank you for this time we thank you for our bibles father we treasure what's between these these the covers of this book We thank you for preserving it for us so that we can gain life from it and our identity from it. Father, I ask as we read the Gospels that that you do what we talked about last week, Father, that, that Jesus began to show us who he is in the Word. And when we discover who he is, we get to discover who we are. 
we get to discover who we are uh, to the Father and what we can do. Jesus asked us to do his works. We need to look and see what his works were. So open up those scriptures to us. Let the Holy Spirit minister to us uh, who Jesus was and who we are. And we'll be obedient. We'll be obedient. Father, I think you will give us the confidence that we need to do what you ask us to do. We thank you for these things. It's in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Amen.